Welcome to All Geek to Me, the podcast where we translate geek for those who don't speak it. We are all time travelers journeying together into the future. Specifically, convolutional neural networks. Sorry, what? I mean, with artificial intelligence, we are summoning the demon. Mom, what's a Bitcoin? Sorry, I don't speak geek. Hello, world. Hi. Thank you for tuning into the very first episode of All Geek to Me, where I want to invite you to join me on a quest to the land of geeks and discover their culture and language together. My name is Sophia. We'll get to the name of the podcast itself a bit later, and you'll see why. As for the name of the very first episode, well, let's kick this off with a properly geeky reference. Hello, world. In computer science, when veteran developers or beginner coders write a new program in pretty much any programming language, they would have that program output Hello World on the display. It's a tradition that goes back decades, when a Canadian computer scientist, Brian Kernighan, included Hello World as an example in his seminal 1973 book on programming. A bit of a coder's bible, that one, I gather. Years later, in his interview to Forbes, Brian would reference as his inspiration for the phrase a cartoon that showed a little chick hatching from an egg and going, hello world. Now, anecdotes of hatchlings is probably not what you bargained for by clicking on a geeky podcast in the technology category, but hatchlings are quite symbolic here. Seeing those words appear on a computer screen is a magical moment for programmers. It's a test, proving that the code that they have been working on can compile, load and run, it's also a straightforward way for beginners to walk through the basics of the coding process. But I like to believe that it's more than just the relief and satisfaction of getting it right. It's watching something come alive and interact with you. When I ever so briefly dipped my toe in the coding water, seeing my first hello world was... Okay, I wouldn't say it was as exhilarating as hearing my child say mom for the first time, but a close second. So Hello World felt like an appropriate name to mark the birth of this podcast and a good way to learn a geeky greeting. After all, greetings and introductions are often the first thing in any phrase book we take with us to a foreign land. But why are we visiting geeks and who are they anyway and why should we care about learning their language? Geek is used to denote someone completely obsessively engrossed in a subject or in an activity sometimes to the exclusion of the details of everyday life, like mundane shopping or doing laundry. And I hope to have some of these enthusiasts come on the show to talk about their passions. But also, the geek phenomenon is increasingly identified with computer scientists, gamers, and those generally interested in technology and tech gadgetry. And that's the meaning I read into it primarily. This is also where they overlap with nerds, but we'll get to that in a different episode. Now, you must have noticed how technology is taking over the world. It's changing the landscape of our society. And technologically oriented geeks are on the rise. If in the past decades they were mostly confined to research departments and labs, now they increasingly occupy senior corporate positions and wield considerable power and influence over our very society and economy. Geeks are a force to be reckoned with. I hope to be a friendly and humble guide to the world of geeks. I'm not a native speaker of geek. My accent will always give me away to the real geeks. 
but rest assured, I have all the skills and qualifications required to translate it. In fact, I have been a conference interpreter and a translator for most of my life. And the reason why I started taking interest in all things geek was because their world began infiltrating mine. Allow me to take a little personal detour and share my own story. I grew up in Moscow. Back then it was still the Soviet Union. Very few people spoke any foreign languages and translators were an exclusive, impenetrable club altogether. I'm not even sure I met any growing up. I moved schools when I was nine and over summer had to catch up on a year's worth of English syllabus. And I just threw myself into it, put in hours and hours of studying, and in the process, I fell in love with the language. Also, in my stereotypically Soviet family of engineers, doctors and scientists, it felt like something I could own. It was my thing. When I was 11, a neighbor from my building dropped by. He suffered from terrible migraines and friends brought him meds from the US. Only he couldn't read the leaflet and didn't know how to administer the medication. So he rang the door and said, I hear your kid speaks English, would you mind helping me out with the patient information? And I did. That was my first translation assignment. So next time I ran into my neighbor and he was this burly, surly Russian dude, he broke into a smile and thanked me. And that's when I realized that I didn't just have an ear for languages or a special skill that few people around me had. I had a freaking superpower. I could do something very niche and very specialized that actually helped people. And that was it. My fate was sealed. I was one of the lucky few who that early in life knew exactly who I wanted to be when I grew up. It rolled from there. At 12, I joined a translation group and shortly after typing away on, don't laugh, on an old school mechanical typewriter, I began translating books for a publishing house. And that is also a very gratifying feeling to be holding a printed book with your words in it, with your last name on it. My next job at 16 was interpreting for a charity that helped American couples adopt Russian orphans. And again, it was something short of miraculous to be a part of that, to help them and their future kid communicate for the first time, to watch this new family get close and come together. Okay. Bear with me as I take you even further away from technology and share a really emotional and personal story. This might sound irrelevant, but it's quite crucial, and I will, I will tie up the loose ends. And let's see if I can get through this next part without crying. I must have been 18 by then and still interpreting for the adoption agency. And there was this one couple who, on meeting the kids, fell in love with the little six-year-old boy in a wheelchair. He was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. And the director of the orphanage tried to talk them out of adopting a disabled kid. She argued that the procedure was infinitely more complicated, that they would be ruining their lives. She said many insensitive, horrible things. But the couple was adamant. They knew it was their son and they were taking him back home with them. That was one of the most heated, intense rounds of negotiations I ever interpreted. And that's including the times when later in my life I would be set at the US State Department representing the Russian government on arms control issues. That orphanage director wouldn't budge, but we won. We won, we wore the Russian bureaucratic system down. And if I do nothing else of value in my life, no great professional achievements, that alone makes it all worth it. Because they got the kid, took him to the US, did lots of physiotherapy sessions, exercise and massages, and just plain loved him. 
and a couple of years later, they sent a thank you card with a photo of the boy on the slopes mountain skiing. The kid never did have cerebral palsy. He was just neglected and not taken care of properly in the orphanage. Admittedly, it sounds like I'm claiming credit for healing migraines and cerebral palsy. Not at all. The point is that I fell into a profession that not only put bread on the table, allowed me to travel and live in different countries, stimulated and challenged me intellectually, it also gave my life a real sense of purpose. I have had a long career in translation and simultaneous interpretation, was a diplomat with the Russian Foreign Service and worked for several international organizations. It's a very different world, but oh, so exciting. But most of all, I just loved translating. I loved spending hours and hours cracking my linguistic puzzles, like a proper geek, one might say. And then, machine translation got better, but like really better. And all of a sudden, my profession was challenged by automation. If a few years ago, we human translators were still making fun of mistakes Google Translate made, today those jokes are few and far between. You've probably heard the refrain that the robots are coming after our jobs. And don't think humanoid robots made of plastic and metal. It's the AI-powered software that will eat up my job, or at least many of its tasks. For now, it has only changed the way translators work. It involves more editing of uh, machine-translated puzzles now. It's not near to replacing us, but for me, a big part of the fun is gone. And frankly speaking, I did panic a bit about losing my job and not being able to support my child. But this has always been about more than just money or job security. What was really hard was coming to terms with losing my superpower and a huge part of my identity. It's a very strange feeling to be losing your profession or some aspects of it to automation. And my heart breaks for all the people who are sleepwalking into it right now. In fact, in the next episode, we're having a real talk about automation. Russian tough love with some reassuring news. But yes, automation is already happening in my field. So partly because of that realization, partly because of natural curiosity and fascination with technology, I started following the geek trail to better understand what I was up against, to outrun the change. Among other things, I earned an executive certificate in artificial intelligence and its applications at the MIT. And AI is definitely a subject that will come up again and again in this series. I basically went on a recon mission behind the enemy lines, but I went there with a great deal of curiosity and a sense of wonder and a willingness to learn and adapt. And you know what? Perhaps those have always been my only real superpowers. And the things I discovered behind the enemy lines, oh, they were amazing. So that's where I'm coming from. And that's what I hope to share in this podcast. I've been toying with the idea of old geek to me for a few years now. In fact, my time to hello world or TTHW, my TTHW took almost three years, including because ironically, I was defeated by technology. The logistics of recording and web hosting slowed me down. I first got the idea when I started to train my colleagues on the use of machine translation software. Some didn't mind the change, some embraced it, but most were reluctant to let go of their ways. Having to get used to a new technology or a new piece of software, heck, even an occasional update messing with the favorite features on your phone, 
all of that can leave us feeling lost, disappointed and frustrated. No kidding, change is hard, breaking our habits is hard. I don't think that humans are resistant to change as such. Maybe we just don't like being told when to change. Incidentally, this reminds me of a joke. How many psychiatrists does it take to change a light bulb? Just one. But the light bulb has to want to change. And much like that light bulb, we'll have to learn to want to change and do more of it in the years to come and to adapt much faster. With the sheer amount of information available, it's hard to keep up. The technology nowadays advances at an insane pace. You can get away with missing a snowflake of information here and there, but you blink and next thing you know is you are buried under an overwhelming, incomprehensible avalanche of it. Take my parents for example. Both of them received classic STEM education, STEM being science, technology, engineering and maths. My dad started out as a cryogenics engineer, not to be confused with cryonics, he didn't freeze anyone. And throughout his life he had several different careers, reinventing himself every time. He retired as a health and safety expert in the metallurgy industry. My mom has a chemistry degree. She worked in a science lab as a researcher, a lecturer at the university, and later trained in philology to become an editor of scientific papers. All this to say that they had always been curious and open to learning. While not exactly techies and geeks, my parents have a pronounced STEM background. Yet, as they grew older and slowed down, and the advances in technology picked up pace, at some point they just dropped the ball. They found themselves overwhelmed and couldn't keep up. To be fair, they are confident users of personal computers and can chat on WhatsApp and Skype, not without hiccups. But now there are too many subjects where they feel completely lost. So when I prepare content for our episodes, I might just use my parents as a yardstick and imagine explaining a difficult subject to them. Now, for our very first lesson in geek speak, let's take a look at the name of the podcast. It's an obvious play on It's All Greek to Me, but for a little nod to the real geeks out there, we replace the E's by threes, so G33K, geek. It is modeled after a once secret dialect of geek that first hackers and gamers used at the dawn of the internet. They would play with the spelling of words and replace letters by numbers, signs and alphabetic characters. One theory is that this language was used by hackers as a way to prevent their websites and news groups from being found by simple keyword searches. It also allowed them to bypass text filters put on the message boards to stifle the discussion of forbidden topics like cracking and hacking. Oh, and by this logic, I did myself no search engine favors with the name of the podcast. It's going to be ungoogleable. Anyway, this language has come to be known as LEET, L-E-E-T, or 1337-1337 in its graphic representation. It is quite literally a short form of elite, suggesting that people using it were skilled, specifically at, see above, hacking. So typically in lead speak, the word hacker would turn into an unrecognizable H4X0R. This doesn't make for amazing radio material, but trust me, it looks weird. Meanwhile, lay people and novices, or newbies, would be referred to as noobs, N00BS. And if you ever saw a meme with 1337 in it and wondered what it was, now you know, it makes a reference to lead speak. 
Litspeak grew and has been widely adopted by North American culture, and these days can be used by pretty much anyone. In other words, Litspeak is no longer exclusive to elite hackers. Chances are you are already familiar with this language and even using it. So here it is. I hope to explore the geek world together with you. Take on a seemingly unapproachable subject we think to understand nothing or very little about, and attempt to decode and demystify it. We will be joined by fellow travelers who could be subject matter experts fluent in geek, or curious friends, or both. And now for a last moment of geekiness for today. Old Geek to Me shares its birthday with Albert Einstein, March 14th. Happy birthday, Albert. This is also the day Stephen Hawking passed away three years ago. One of the most brilliant minds in the history of humanity. Think how privileged we were to live at the same time as him. And one of the episodes will be devoted entirely to him and to his amazing science that deals with stuff so astonishing that it is almost impossible to wrap your head around it. Sometimes you just have to take science on, on faith. Finally, today's the Pi Day, March 14 or 314. 1.59 p.m. 26 seconds if you want to push it to seven decimal places. Let the logs show that we started our journey on one of the geekiest days of the year. Thank you for listening. You can follow our Twitter at AllGeek2Me. We will post pictures, videos and links to articles we mention and to other content that didn't make it onto the podcast. Thank you and speak to you soon.